0: You are listening to the Pro Ecclesia podcast from the Truett Church Network. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, friends who are tuning in to the Pro Ecclesia podcast. Our guest today is Gannon Sims. We'll learn a little more about Gannon, who is author of The New Church, Bringing the New Book, excuse me, not (laughs) The New Church, that's a whole other discussion we'll get into, author (laughs) of The New Book, uh, put out by Fresh Expressions and Seedbed, uh, Bringing Church Home, How the Family of God Makes Us a Little More Human. Uh, Gannon, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Gannon and I got to know each other some years ago through uh, Gannon's connections to Baylor, um, through, um, Gannon and mine's work with Baptist General Association of Virginia and Fresh Expressions and Missio Alliance and Uptick and any number of things where we kept crossing paths. And, uh, it's been a joy to get to know Gannon and his wife, Carrie and, um, Gannon, tell us just a little bit about yourself, you know, where, where you serve in ministry, where you are, what you do.
1: Sure. Thanks, Matt. Um, it, to, to what you just said, I, I've had the privilege for the last almost 11 years of working with uh, the Baptist General Association of Virginia, um, a, a really significant a regional denominational body that's given permission uh, in many, many ways to some of us uh, out on the edge to, to pioneer and think about new ways of being church and developing Christian leaders and that sort of thing. So um Yeah, almost 11 years ago, I joined a fledgling effort called Fresh Expressions in the United States Fresh Expressions, uh, um, an initiative that started uh, in the mid 2000, 2003, four, five, around then in England uh, with the Church of England, kind of asking the question, what does it mean to uh, reach people that the church isn't already reaching? And so how do we take the church um, closer to people, uh, recognizing just the, the nature of a culture and church decline and all those sorts of things. So we've kind of over, over a number of years built, um, by God's grace, uh, a, a wonderful kind of training apparatus and movement uh, around the country. And uh, so been doing that. And then at the same time, kind of pioneering new ways of being church uh, with and for young adults uh, on a college campus. Carrie and I sort of redeveloped a, a Baptist a student union, BSM, um, at, at a at a liberal arts school in Virginia called the University of Mary Washington, and that's just kind of been our, um, our joy and privilege and um, uh, kind of incubator for all sorts of fun, creative, missional expressions. So,
0: Your Texas Roots are coming out. You said BSM. Yeah. We a, I, well, I did because I wanted to make
1: sure I was contextually <laughs> appropriate for for the audience there. So, yeah, yeah we,
0: we got them all over. And so, yeah, yeah, BSM in Texas, BCM, it seems like outside of yeah. Texas yeah. for the most yeah. part. But I, I like that that intentional intentional slip in there. Um, married to Carrie, a partner yeah. in ministry with you?
1: Yes, Carrie and I have been doing this together. Carrie... Um, uh, a minister in her, in her own right, a coach and spiritual director, and uh, has worked with Uptick, uh, this uh, leadership development apparatus. So that's uh, also spun out of the BGAV, um, and then we've we've kind of co-ministered together with young adults uh, too. So all right,
0: fantastic. And we'll talk about upcoming seasons maybe here in a little bit. Sure. Um, okay, so tell us about this uh, this book. I mean, this book was like any book generally uh, for someone particularly that's a uh, on the ground, boots on the ground, minister, not one that's just sitting back writing books all day. You know, birth through your life and through your ministry in many ways. Like how did this book come about? What led you to the subject um, of church as family, family, as church? Yeah, it was
1: a really interesting sort of a turn of events. When Carrie and I got married, um we were really challenged to think of our marriage as a vocation. So a call. And so the only time I'd ever thought of vocation was like at a, at a career services fair or something <laughs> like that. You know, you, yeah. you, well, you have vocation or you're called to ministry, so you're called to Christian vocation. But but thinking of marriage as vocation was something that, that captivated our imagination mm. from day one uh, of our marriage. And, you know, f- fast forward in, you know, called to marriage, then called to ministry, um, and And then, for us the 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 pain of not having children of our own. Mm. so uh, having to really lean into okay, well, then what is our marriage for if it's mm. not like producing the offspring that every other normal person you know seems to get to produce so so that's sort of what what uh, kind of drove this home for us. And along the way we um, You know, early in ministry, I, I, you know, we were doing a lot of ecumenical work um, with uh, the Catholic chaplaincy on the campus where we serve, and we did kind of a fun joint Bible study on the first 12 chapters of Genesis, and, uh, you know, thinking that Oh, well, we kind of the more Baptist-leaning kids could kind of school the Catholics and, and the Bible. And, and actually, we found it, that the, the Catholics knew their Bible better than Baptist kids did. And so we got in this really fantastic uh, conversation on creation and the human body and the, um, the, the nature of the human body and, and that sort of thing. And um, so just kind of learned there's some particularities around Catholic interpretation of Scripture um, that then became, you know, truer in my ear as I, as I heard um, uh, a couple of folks who became mentors in this work, you know, give some talks on, on creation and, and um, marriage and that sort of thing. And so it really um, captured my imagination. What does it mean for um, m- marriage and family to be institutions that are more god-ordained than mm. man-ordained you know israel always asked for a king um but in the beginning god created male and female in the garden and so there you know so it's like i don't feel like we 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 give that notion of family as divinely orchestrated enough uh we don't yeah. don't talk about it enough we don't think about it enough and, and i think it can be a real Um, give, it can give a lot of young couples, particularly
0: a purpose uh, for their life and marriage. Man, that, yeah. Um, Well, that your first, I I think your first title head or chapter of your first title um, and your, excuse me, title of your first chapter talks about uh, why marriage means planting a little church. And as I, I read that and kind of reviewed that, I kind of chuckled. I was like, boy, I bet that would come as, as a surprise to some young married couples of like, <laughs> oh, by the way, this is actually, you know, the greatest witness of your life. Um, help, help unpack that, right? For those that are thinking through that, why uh, marriage means planning a little church. That drew me in right away. Well, thanks. That
1: was the intention of the, <laughs> the name of that chapter. Of, because we when you think about what, what is God doing divinely in and through you, um he's he's called you together to become one um and you are in effect planting a little church so the our, our catholic friends have this this as i said uh, earlier this idea of the domestic church which means you know parents are the chief uh, christian educators in the household um i feel like the domestic church language has to go much further than mm-hmm. that to not only the parents being the the chief educators for their children but also a uh, you know uh, an example, a light, a witness, a signpost for every kid their their uh, children bring home from school for a snack. Um, every neighbor that happens to walk down the street, and so there's this generative life that the the married couple can uh, give to the world, and, and especially. For those like I don't want to wax Pollyanna about marriage and family because I mean let's face it we don't have we don't many of us come from perfect marriage and family situations but you know for those of us who have ears to hear and want to practice this and live this out we can actually be a solve a solvent for um, those who have experienced family you mm. know in, in a bad way right so. That's, I mean, I just think it again. It captures an imagination of like, wow, okay, I'm planning a little church. Okay, so what is my mission? Let's do that.
0: Well, I do. I think the, um, you know, the kind of family model of discipleship, which you talk about, some others have written about, is often about discipling children and kind of those in the family. But this a little bit flips that on its head, or maybe just expands. It doesn't flip it on its head because it is that. But it also a family defined a lot of different ways, right? You know, fam- those who are single have family. Those who uh, are, are married without children have family. There's a lot of different ways to do this. There's no, you don't require the quote-unquote nuclear family to do this. Exactly. But it's also about mission and witness as well, um, which I find very freeing, uh, particularly as a parent uh, of kids where you're you're just busy and you've got so much going on and. But I think for anyone thinking how to be a, a, a light for Christ in the world, to get to reflect Christ in the world, say, man, just look right where you are. You have a home, you have a, an apartment building, a neighborhood, you have activities you're involved in. There are people that perhaps, not perhaps, I think probably certainly the Holy Spirit is at work in all around you. Um, all we need to do is open our eyes <laughs> and tell the story and perhaps open our homes Um there's a missional component. There's a discipleship component. There's, anyway, I think that's that's powerful. I told you before, I did a wedding several years ago for a girl that I've served in two churches and she was in both of those churches. One as a teenager and one she joined as an adult. And so this young woman watched my wife and I get married. We talked about, you know, dating and things as we were going through the marriage process. Then she moved in as a young adult to my pastorate. And I got to do her wedding and I found myself on the fly in that ceremony thinking back and telling her and, and her husband, um, this will be the greatest witness of your life, like this relationship. Um, and I think we could say that a lot of different ways. That's powerful. Um, boy, a lot of different ways we could go there. Any follow up <laughs> thoughts on that or further thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we just again,
1: it's, it's about capturing. Uh, a new imagination for this.
0: Yeah, and I I find it very freeing for me um, to take some pressure off. We don't have to go across the world, though we can't. (laughs) We don't, we, we, and maybe if uh, parents of little kids are just caught up in just surviving, um, that may also be the mission of God for you right now, Um, and uh, we don't always have to add on programs to this. And that's wonderful. So you you talk about the table Mm -hmm. as a place where naturally this happens. Um, Sure. Physical table and then a little more uh, perhaps broadly than that. But then you also talk about there are times when I think most of us can understand that as a host, right? We can have people in our home and we host the table and that's kind of a somewhat of a power dynamic and a comfort Mm -hmm. dynamic. We're inviting people in our space where we must not just be host, but become guest. Um, So help us understand a little bit how our table can be used as this discipleship, evangelistic witness uh, space, how it can be church, but also how we play both guest and host. Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. Thanks. Um, I, I get this from Dave Fitch,
1: uh, who's a professor at Northern Seminary uh, in Chicago. And uh, Dave kind of outlines uh, the table in three spaces. And so the first space is sort of the Lord's table uh, in the church. Um, calls it a, a close but not closed circle. Mm-hmm. And I really love that language, close but not closed. Um, we want to invite people to experience the grace around the table. Um, but then he, you know, talks about table in the second space, which is in the home and he calls out a dotted circle. So yeah, if you're coming into my house for dinner, I'm going to play the role of, of host you know, in the, in the close circle in the church, Jesus is the host of the table. Um, in my home, I'm the host at the table or whoever's hosting the, the event, the meal. Um, but, but this sort of, um, letting go. I don't know. There's just a lot of people. I ask people questions a lot in, in training seminars around this stuff. Is like, is it easier for you to give or receive? Mm. You know, for a whole lot of Christians, it's a lot easier to give. And so by saying out in public, Fitch argues that, you know, you create kind of a half circle where we are at, Table in public, and we are the guests. We are being served by our waiters and waitresses. We are we put ourselves at the mercy of, of you know the the cooks in the kitchen who are making our food, and so to to put ourselves in that humble posture, it's 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 a light. It's again to the, uh, the the passage where Jesus sends out the two by two sends about two by two in Luke uh, ten, where you really. have to go find yourself sitting at somebody else's table eating what they give you learning to receive and so in that learning to receive we actually learn a whole lot more about our context and and our our mission reality than we do if we're constantly in control which which i just i love i love creating environments where we can to whatever degree we can become mutual in relationship
0: as opposed to transactional in relationship it is funny on the giving and receiving dynamic that, you know, <laughs> we would still say, Oh, you know, I, I really, uh, I got more out of this than the person that we serve. And you're like, well, of course, like that's uh that's not a new lesson. That's a lesson that we've Absolutely. known for a long time. Um, so, so the giving and receiving dynamic then is not, nec- I mean, it's not just about, I think I'm envisioning like my neighborhood. I mean, and it may be, Um, It's not just, you know, have dinner at someone else's house. So that's part of it. You're also talking, to use Fitch's language, of these somewhat concentric circles with differing types of entry points Mm -hmm. and standards for entry, for lack of a better phrase, um, but like a third space where you go and sit at a coffee shop or the same park bench or the same restaurant and seek to form relationships there and pay attention to who may be there and, and listening to the Holy Spirit guide you uh, and sort of arrange in those situations is that yeah. kind of
1: absolutely accurate? and you're letting them kind of take take yeah. the lead there it, it's you know just being interested in what your server is interested in what yeah. people out in public are interested in and, and learning from learning from others is so important and we, we often kind of see ourselves as the experts and I I sort of want to push back against that and say, yeah. well, there's a lot, there's a lot we can learn from
0: uh, every one of us. And particularly for those who are part of more inherited church, traditional church. I mean church that meets in a building that's not a worship mm-hmm. standard, that's a you know, building yeah. type thing. Yeah. Um, you can become pretty insulated pretty quickly. Can. I can say that as someone who works in yeah. a seminary very insulated
1: and we can um, kind of have all these pie in the sky ideas of oh this is how we should we should be in the world to reach our neighbors and we draw it out on a whiteboard and then we go do it and we we wonder why the strategy doesn't work well we didn't take any time to actually listen uh to what others were saying
0: yeah Um, yeah um and again i'm now just i'm working through this myself Your you, what, what were the levels you had closed communities kind of the, the table and then the what dotted I guess dotted is yeah his uh circle.
1: yeah his yeah. dotted circle is at the home you know where you
0: can kind of invite people in and out around your table and there's and kind there's of the, arrows back and forth theoretically yep, between yep. them that you can different different ways to do that and your family can be involved and mm-hmm. um, uh, and I do think it's important to note uh you know I think I mentioned it some you've mentioned it some families construed a lot of ways and uh for a couple who doesn't have kids or for a single person and a group of single people, there can be honestly advantages and freedoms to yep. minister to others. Speak some about that, about maybe about kinship um, and Absolutely. how families are construed.
1: I mean, I think, you know, that's the, you know, for, for anybody who's who's listening who's married or single or married without kids, is like. Um, there's a real advantage uh, moms and dads of kids can you know e- leverage uh, with their single friends and their uh, married couple friends that don't have kids because we will actually talk to your kids like they're real people <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, as opposed to talk talking to them like they're you know five or six or seven um, and so there's a there's a lot of um, I guess you know parenting in, in different ways. And so, um, one thing I appreciate, uh, from, uh, this, this guy, um, Renzo Benetti, it, it, he's a, he's an Italian, uh, priest, um, who, who talks about of family and, and moms and dads and parenting being like, just like you're, you are the parents to every kid that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, this child is displaying the image of, image of God. And so, um, you're not like, you know, you don't can't take that too far, of course, but you but you yeah. just like like just it's just honoring um every every person. Um and so I, I just I think it's it's nice to kind of open yourself up and like not be so scared. It's like the kid, yeah. the little baby that gets passed around the church and becomes like suddenly the most personable child because they, you know they're loved by, by a lot of different people, as opposed to the, you know, parents who kind of keep the, keep the lockdown on the kids. So I just say, you know, for, for parents out there, let your young, you know, single friends, couple friends without kids, let them into your life because they've got a little more bandwidth than you do to, you know, take, take care of some homework yeah. to help with dinner to, you know, they're just a huge advantage of having uh, others around to help in the child rearing rather than feeling like the nuclear family's got to have it all figured out and you can't, you know, can't dare talk about it. I, you know, the family is a solution to so many of our problems A family is the program uh, that we, we really get to be about, but it's, it's only when that family is open, uh, to others
0: and oriented around, uh, the risen Jesus? Yeah. Well, we often think of the irreducible component of society or culture being the individual, which is a fairly new concept where, you know, biblically, I think it works more healthily to say the irreducible component of society is the family construed a lot of different ways. Again, we often distinct nuclear Family, which again is also a very modern concept, that's not very right. helpful a lot of times. Right. Um, and so you make healthy family. You know, invest in healthy families, and all sort of things become healthier around a community, around a neighborhood, around a school, around an institution. You know, any number of different things. Um, and even in church, more again, the inherited church, we're so tempted to sequester the age groups and the differing types of families and the yep. differing generations even in quote unquote, intergenerational churches, finding good ways, this is very helpful, I think mean, hopeful to, to mix the differing ways families happen together and the differing generations as you know, the calling of a couple, like my parents are recently retired. I mean, their vocation right now looks very different than it did a few years ago, certainly than it did 30 years ago. Um, man, that's fascinating. So um, y'all have done a lot of experimenting with this, in your context, um, yeah. with largely um, you know, young adults, college yep. students, young professionals, yep. um, you know, known for perhaps being a little more creative and their yep. family system or their family is just kind of coming into place, however, that looks. And so they're looking for some things. Um, you are transitioning uh, in July to become senior pastor of Cliff Temple Baptist Church, yep. a very old historic Baptist church. Um, that has you know a lot of space and has existed in in, with a wonderful history for a long time Um, what is that going to be like how do you see yourself kind of imbuing a uh, church with programs and traditions and and a long history um, with some of these concepts how's that going to look in a different different context for you Well, yeah, that's a great question.
1: I mean, you know, you alluded to the fact that we've been working with young adults and we've been kind of getting them at the beginning of their married life and kind of giving this this kind of imagination um, for community and sharing and, and that sort of thing. And, and so it's that creativity, honestly, uh, a very similar level of creativity that kind of led me in the direction of, of Cliff Temple. Cliff Temple's got a, 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 a storied history, but it's also a very creative place and has mm-hmm. been for a really long time. And, and it's a place that honestly, it, it, the program and the tradition of Cliff Temple uh, <laughs> is family. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just woven throughout. And so it's, and it's, they say it sort of sheepishly, but it's one of the best their best assets it's um how well they love um and and kind of receive others into yeah. their family no matter if you've got family there or not you kind of like are treated that way uh pretty immediately um and so you know, I, you, know you have to be really careful going in with sort of like oh i really hope we can do yeah. x y and z but you know cliff temple's already got um a, a really cool little experiment called the um Oak Cliff Neighborhood Network. So they already have a little network of home gatherings. Yeah. Um. That we're we're looking at. I mean, and, and let's be honest. COVID uh, repositioned so much in the life of the church. Um, and Cliff Temple's really leaned into that. Yeah. Um, they recognize that. I think for so long, um, being involved in church has meant going to the building, and I I want to make sure that when we're going to the building, it's to celebrate what God's doing in our everyday life. So, mm. you know, let's, let's not jettison the fact that our neighborhoods are mission fields, our homes are places that can be lighthouses. And so when we, when we see our, again, our home is a little church, we're, we're kind of, I mean, and they, Cliff Temple does this already. I mean, they, they're already prayer walking their neighborhoods. They're already convening neighbors for, for cookouts, that sort of thing. But you do that, but then, you know, big church on Sunday is where you get to come and testify um, as opposed to feeling like, oh, gosh, big church is the place where you have to come and fill it up. And, yeah. and uh, if you don't, then, you know, you know nothing's nothing good's going to happen. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm excited about the, the, the prospect of um, how this kind of interplays with, with the people that have already really yeah. have a, a demonstrated track record for living this way.
0: And I think that's what one of the things, I mean, this isn't the only book I've read kind of on kind of this general idea and subject, but it was so good. I I just, I find it freeing and I think others would as well, because most people gather with friends for a barbecue or neighbors, right? Most people have a group they hang out with or have a group they go get coffee with or a drink with or whatever it is. And a lot of people also go to church. And a lot of people don't connect those two things. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I feel like you've got to find a ministry outside of that exactly. thing. And bringing those two things together feels like the most natural thing in the world. And maybe actually where the spirit is powerfully at work, um, where we don't have to change anything of really our habits or patterns. Um, and uh, and how freeing to say, man, I can go hang out with some friends tonight. Mm-hmm for the glory of God and have a great yeah. time. Anyway, yeah, I think invite Jesus into
1: it, I, you know, it, yeah. that's the thing is it's like we um we've been doing this thing at cliff temple where they have, they've, they've challenged everybody to prayer walk their neighborhoods and go two by two, which is really great. Um, then also to think about, um, a tithe of, of time and how we spend mm. our time. And it's just really fun to see like, you know, people being given permission to like tie their time, but it's actually the time they were already going to spend with their grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, isn't that like one of the most important things, um, you yeah. know, being the presence of Christ to grandchildren or, or children, or, yeah. you know, taking kids to soccer, that sort of thing. But it's just about how you reimagine it yeah. and invite Jesus into the everyday and just kind of see this, um, integrated life yeah. as opposed compartmentalized one.
0: I, thought, I did my men work on Sabbath. And, and so uh, now I'll talk about it a lot. And, totally. and it's the same thing. Once you deconstruct some of our negative conceptions of Sabbath, yeah. you say, you know, what would you do tomorrow that would give you greatest delight? Um, sure. you, and that that is Sabbath worship. It can be right. And, and it also can be going to church and, and some of your more traditional things. But um, yeah, that God wants us to experience delight in our life, in creation, in our neighborhoods, and, and is glorified through that, and that that exudes from us, right? Like that's the mysterious, wonderful calculus of the kingdom that um, others are drawn into that in anyway, um,
1: that, Well, that's been the, the kind of the beauty of our community here is that it's it's in the Sabbath thing together. It's yeah. the wasting time with God. It's, it's mm-hmm. the unscheduled, unforced things uh, where trust and relationship are built. So then when you do get into the, you know, the brass tacks of the life is hard stuff, yeah. you've got your, you know, your foundation is is uh, in place.
0: Well, I'm baptizing my daughter Sunday. Oh, Stone. amen. Um, this is, you know, particularly watching, just telling people about that and being able to share that with other people. In our church, the the person being baptized writes their testimony out and someone else okay. reads that. And watching Addison, like my sister and my brother-in-law are in the church and, and other like watching her like, Oh, and my best friend from college is in the church. And we've got her choir to like, who can I choose to read my story? She's got like 15 people to choose from, you know, that are all meaningful in her life. Um, It's been fascinating to think of the witness of our family, but also the witness of the community to our family. And that she really has been church is a safe wonderfully welcoming loving place for her yeah. um where she feels like she belongs and you know we both know so many people other have have so many other experiences of that what we're talking about can heal that anyway it's just a it's a so it hit home to me as i was preparing for that this week and uh, trying to steal myself i mean i'm gonna weep like a baby but at least where i'll be understandable through my crying you know at least trying to get ready for that sunday but um very excited. Um, well, the book is Bringing Church Home, How the Family of God Makes Us a Little More Human by and Sims and can be found a lot of different places. You all are smart people listening to this and can find it. I hope you will. Uh, it's a great, I mean, it's just helpful. And I think it's, uh, um, could free a lot of people, you know, in our churches for a vision for using their life well, I um, mean, probably encourage them that they already are in ways they may not even know, and, and also equip them in some new ways. Um, and thanks for being with us, friend. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, I'm looking forward to spending more time with you back in Texas Yes, indeed. Uh, over some barbecue, hopefully. <laughs> um, would you have a, uh, a final blessing or prayer uh, for us and those that will be listening to this? Sure, sure. Thanks, Matt, for your
1: expert questions. And and uh, again, it's been a pleasure to be here. And I do hope uh, the listeners out there do take advantage of the book and the questions at the end of every chapter. And uh, it, it's something that just adds flavor to your life. Um, uh, so let us pray. Um, Lord Jesus, we thank you for um, uh, this medium, this podcast, um, the ability to listen and to uh, internalize. Um, the ways that you seem to be at work, and so we pray, God, that you would bless uh, every home, every family, every marriage um, uh, listening, that they would uh, get a deeper sense of their purpose beyond just being together, but their purpose as being a life uh, shared with others, a life poured out for others as you, uh, Lord Christ, were poured out for us, uh, so we speak blessing, uh, over all of these dear ones um, depending on your grace uh, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.